Welcome back to Corium, the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue Emergency Medicine Residency Program. I'm Brian Gaberti. And this is Breed C. So today I'd like to talk about septic arthritis, which is one of those diagnoses that we can't miss in the emergency department. Do you want to start us off with some basics, Bree? Yeah, sure. So it's important to remember that the synovial space lacks a basement membrane. Therefore, it's really susceptible to bacteria entering the joint space. This can happen from an invasive procedure, a neighboring infection, or even just direct inoculation. Once you have the bacteria in the joint, white blood cells migrate into that space as well, resulting in acute inflammatory process. This essentially chews up the cartilage and prevents new cartilage from forming. And that's one of the reasons why we care so much about diagnosing accurately this disease, because there's cartilaginous destruction, and that can lead to irreversible loss of function in up to 10% of patients. And it doesn't just stop there. Some patients could get very sick with them developing sepsis or endocarditis, and the mortality rate can be as high as 11%. Septic arthritis can happen to anyone, but we do have to keep in mind certain risk factors. So extremes of age, the very young or the very old, rheumatoid arthritis, DJD, IV drug abuse, endocarditis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, immunosuppression, trauma, and prostheses. Okay, so those make a lot of sense. It's not surprising that staph aureus is the most common. We also see a lot of staph FB and strep. And I think of organisms based on those risk factors that you mentioned, Bree. So gonorrhea in young, sexually active adults, gram-negative rods and IV drug users, diabetics and the elderly, and then salmonella in patients with sickle cell disease. Look in the show notes for a few other bugs as well, but ultimately we aren't going to know with certainty which bug we are treating in the emergency department, which is why we treat them broadly, but more on that later in the episode. Great. So I think we've all learned in medical school and residency to think septic arthritis when we see a single, warm, erythematous tender joint. While this is true, we have to remember though that there are other presentations In terms of the single joint, the knee is the most common joint involved with up to 50% of cases, followed by the hip, shoulder, and ankle. IV drug abusers can actually have septic arthritis in joints you wouldn't even knew existed, like the sacroiliac joint, the costochondral joint, or the sternoclavicular joint. Oh boy, I haven't heard of those joints since medical school. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, another classic teaching is that, oh, with septic arthritis, they're not going to be able to range their leg, and there's no way this is septic arthritis because this patient walked in. That is true in some cases, but again, it's not always present. Sure, often the patient will have the joint held in a position of maximum joint volume, but some of these patients with proven septic arthritis actually will be able to range them comfortably. Especially in prosthetic joints, they may have less pain than expected for septic arthritis, given the changed anatomy and disrupted nerve endings. So this is going to be one of the diseases that did not read the textbook. And what we learned in medical school is that this is going to be a single joint and you're going to have a fever with it, but that's not always going to be the case. And in fact, in 10 to 20% of cases, you're going to have more than one joint involved. And in 60% of cases, you're not going to have a fever. So we suspect septic arthritis. The next step is to perform an arthrocentesis. This is the gold standard for diagnosing septic arthritis. Like I said before, not all septic joints present with an excruciating range of motion, so have a low threshold to tap the joint. Performing the actual procedure could be an entirely separate podcast, so we're not going to go into those details here, but remember to use ultrasound if possible. That can really help you in visualizing the joint space and the neighboring structures. There's no actual absolute contraindications to performing an arthrocentesis, 
But two relative contraindications you should keep in mind are an overlying cellulitis and severe coagulopathies. TAPS are a very satisfying procedure, and for the most part, they fall within our wheelhouse in emergency medicine. But keep in mind that ortho usually wants a call if you're going to be tapping a prosthetic joint. And our ortho colleagues may actually want to tap the joint themselves because scar tissue formation from the surgery and altered anatomic relationships may make this a difficult procedure. You obviously want to talk to ortho for any suspected septic arthritis because they'll often want to perform a washout in the OR plus minus placing an antibiotic spacer. Okay, so we get the fluid. What's next, Brie? Okay, so when you send the fluid to the lab, you want to order protein, glucose, a cell count with differential, a gram stain, a culture, and crystals. Now, it's really important to remember that while we're sitting there, we're looking at the computer, we're waiting for the results to come back for the cell count, there's no actual clear threshold for synovial white blood cells to define septic arthritis. In general, though, you can keep the number 50,000 in mind, anything greater than 50,000 synovial white blood cells with a PMN predominance of over 75% is pretty indicative of septic arthritis. Yeah, there's no golden number here, and I've heard 25,000, 30,000, 50,000 thrown out there as cutoffs. Now, there was a 2011 meta-analysis that suggested a positive likelihood ratio of 4.7 for a synovial white count of over 50,000, and that number goes up to 13.2 if the white count's over 100,000. Now, for prosthetic joints, it's going to be a bit different, with white counts of over 1,100 and over 64% polys suggesting that this is septic arthritis. Because there's no actual number here, we have to use the synovial white count in the context of the clinical picture to rule in or rule out septic arthritis. Just remember that gram stains aren't the be-all, end-all. They only identify causative organisms one-third of the time. In addition, crystals don't rule out septic arthritis. As if that weren't enough, cultures aren't 100% reliable either. Culture-negative arthrocentesis can be seen in cases where antibiotics have been given prior to the tap, or even with indolent organisms such as TB, brucella, or fungi. Okay, that just about covers synovial fluid. In terms of labs, Brian, does a negative white blood cell count rule out septic arthritis? No, that's not going to be the case. So there's no acceptable level for sensitivity and overall diagnostic accuracy of white blood cell counts for septic arthritis. But in general, you're going to see leukocytosis with a left shift. Now, as for inflammatory markers, there also is no acceptable cutoff for sed rate and CRP. But if you have high inflammatory markers, then that would increase your pretest probability. So what other labs are we getting in these patients, Brie? Yeah, we should be ordering a urinalysis urine cultures, and blood cultures. Remember to send blood cultures even if there's no fever. Blood cultures are positive in 50 to 70% of non-gonorrhea chlamydial septic arthritis. And pro tip, if gonorrhea chlamydia is suspected, do a GC swab from throat, rectal, urethral, or cervical discharge. All right, so that's about it for labs. What about imaging? For these patients, I get an x-ray, and an x-ray will be useful for helping you to evaluate for a fusion, see what the baseline status of the joint is, see if there's any contiguous osteomyelitis, although it won't rule that out, fractures, or foreign body. Now, for evaluating for an effusion, an ultrasound can also help you for a point-of-care test. Advanced imaging such as CT or MRI are not used in the ED for evaluation of septic arthritis. Okay, that makes sense. So we've done all this workup. We think it's septic arthritis, but we still have to keep a wide differential. Other things to think about, viral arthritis, RA, gout, pseudogout, 
HIV-associated arthritis, reactive arthritis, Lyme, osteo, septic bursitis, or just plain old trauma. So we've got our 35-year-old IV heroin user with a red, hot, swollen knee. He's even got a fever. You've tapped him, drawn labs, and an x-ray shows an infusion. Now what? Well, that isn't good at all. Septic arthritis is an orthopedic emergency. He'll need IV antibiotics and joint drainage of that knee. There's some controversy regarding timing of antibiotics, but the gist of it is hold off giving them as much as possible prior to the tap, unless the patient's unstable or the tap cannot be performed easily. This will improve the accuracy of the culture sensitivities. We do want to initiate empiric IV antibiotic therapy prior to definitive cultures being established. Then the medical team can transition to organism-specific antibiotic therapy once culture sensitivities result. We'll want to start empiric antibiotics to cover gram negatives as well as MRSA. Here, we do vancomycin, 15 milligrams per kilogram BID, plus cefepime, 2 grams IV TID. You can use Cipro 500 BID or Estrianam 2 grams TID for penicillin allergies. Adjust your antibiotics accordingly to age group as well as risk factors, then further titrate when the gram stain comes back. In our shop, the gram stain is usually back within a few hours if it's sent during the daytime, but not until the next morning if it's sent overnight. See more regimens according to gram stain in the show notes. I know we won't keep these patients for longer than a few hours in the ED, but what kind of duration are they usually on, Brian? It can be anywhere from two to six weeks. It's two weeks for strep and up to six weeks for staph aureus. In addition to antibiotics, they'll likely need pain control, so beside whatever medication you choose, you can also consider moderately flex splinting the joint. In terms of disposition, we need to admit all patients with suspected septic arthritis until it's ruled out for antibiotics, monitoring, and likely the OR. Want to wrap up with some take-home points, Bree? Sure. Have a high index of suspicion for septic arthritis and a low threshold to tap. Patients don't necessarily present with classic findings. They may have a single affected joint or many, and they may or may not have a fever. In addition, the range of motion might not be as excruciating as you might suspect. ESR, CRP, and serum white blood cell count are not definitive diagnostic tools for septic arthritis. You'll want to involve your orthopedic colleagues early on, especially for prosthetic joints. Remember, there is no exact cutoff for synovial white blood cell counts for diagnosis. You've got to use the whole clinical picture and keep 30 to 50,000 in mind for native joints and greater than 1,100 for prostheses. And finally, you'll want to treat empiric antibiotics after the arthrocentesis, then narrow them accordingly. And you'll definitely want to admit all patients with suspected septic arthritis. That's all for this episode. Continue to follow us on Twitter at core underscore EM and visit us on our website, coreem.net. Until the next one, this is Brian and Bree signing off.